Um, one of the joys of being on holiday is that you get this kind of like greater opportunity to pause and think and reflect and be thankful. You know, as a family, we've had a lovely 16 days. On, literally on my weather app, it just said rain throughout the two weeks. And each time we awoke to glorious sunshine and we, you know, there were cloudy days, we had little bits of rain, but on the whole, we really had a beautiful time in Somerset. We're so grateful to God where we were situated as we take this, which is our regular spot now, we take our touring caravan to St. Audrey's Bay, which overlooks the sea, and on a clear day, even, you know, Joe has to point this out because my geography is not very good, but you can see Barry on the other side, and you can see the mountains as well on a clear day. And it is quite stunning. You take the dog up the hill, which, you know, it's a bit of a path to get up to the top. And once you get up to the top, it's just, wow. It's wow. And so we've had a really nice time as family. So thank you for, for prayers and for releasing us. And, you know, and we've enjoyed that. And we're ready now, you know, to be thankful to be home too as well. My son is especially glad to be home because he's missed the comforts of his gaming console. So he's pleased. And I just wanted to share really something personally with you, you know, particularly the Wimborne family. I know that half, half of you guys are not here, but you can pass the word on anyway. It's very simple. Just before we start looking at the word, God's word together, I know, as you know, you've had, we've had one heck of a journey over the last couple of years, hey? And I'm not ashamed to say that as a church leader and just really as a person who follows Jesus, uh, it has stretched me and tested me in ways that I could not have anticipated. And I'm so thankful to God in so many ways, but particularly for his leadership and for his comfort. As part of that reflection time, I really just wanted to say to all of you who have understood something of that journey that we've been on, <laughs> how incredibly proud I am of you. I really count it as an enormous privilege to lead the team that oversees this church family. And there are greater things to come. But I just want to say, I really think it just starts with joy and peace together in this place. The joy and peace of knowing Jesus. The freedom that we've been afforded to worship him. There is even greater joy to come here. But I do feel that God would say to you all, there is great joy and peace to be had here and now. All glory to him who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So very proud of you all. Now typically we would be continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark today, but with great apology. And upon return from holiday, with one day to prepare... <laughs> I didn't feel that I'd be able to actually faithfully deliver on what is a reasonably um, chunk, reasonable chunk of eschatological text. You know, today we would have been looking at a chapter where Jesus is speaking into future events in order to prepare his disciples for what is to come. And Jesus is not really only just speaking to his disciples then, but he's speaking to us today. So actually it's a chapter that needs carefully unpacking. And we as preachers... We want to be faithful to God's word. And to do that well, especially with challenging texts, that takes time. 
consideration and consultation with God <laughs> and with others. So I'm sorry that I won't be talking on, uh, taking on Mark chapter 13 today. It is actually a really good one. However, I do have some good news. Tim, one of our elders, he is also preaching on that text. He is preaching on that text in Fornibridge this morning. So let me encourage you to get hold of the recording, which you can via Spotify, or through the links that get sent through your email. Because I'm confident that he is going to ch- serve the church well with his text. And for those of you who know Tim and experienced his preaching, he's a fantastic Bible teacher, isn't he? Yeah. He, and, you know, to top it all off, he's a super humble guy, you know, which makes it all the more annoying. Okay. I do want to say he is a precious gift to the church. You know, we're really grateful for him. So there's also Tim who told me to bank a preach that I delivered last year in Fordingbridge and save it for other times where it might be a blessing. And so today, my hope is that this will be a blessing to you all and serve you well. Next week on um, One Church Sunday, we're going to reflect a little to help us look forward, and that's what we're going to do today. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, 4, he says, For whatever was written in former days was, for our, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So we are going to look back in the Scriptures that we may be encouraged and have hope going forward. If you're taking notes for today's preach, it is entitled Living the Dream. Living the Dream. There we go. Look at that. Everyone wants to be there, don't they? That, look at that. <clears throat> I don't think they're ready for my white body. I don't think they're ready for it. If I wind back to the years of secondary school and college, the big question for us at teenagers was then was, what's your dream? If you could do anything with the life that you had ahead of you, what would you do? Now, for me, uh, those aspirations or dreams changed. You know, first in secondary school and early days of college, it was football. I love football. And it, it doesn't matter how big the church gets across rural areas, I can't find many other people who love football. It's dis- we need to keep growing, guys. I need more footballers. I come from a footballing family. My dad, was a, my dad was a professional player, my uncle was a professional player, and then there was, there was just me, so that was a bit disappointing. So actually, actually, it felt very natural at that time, but then it was followed shortly by pursuing music. I was in a band, and I thought this was going to be the thing. The thing. I had hair at that time. I don't think it was until I got the opportunity to study drumming about the age of 25 that I finally settled and I was like, became sure about what I wanted to do in life, which was teach. And that's what I did for 10 years of my life before God me, took me on a new adventure. So I'm sure those questions about dreams and futures are still the same questions younger people are facing today, but they still seem to be the questions that many of us are facing as we get older, we still have dreams, still have aspirations and hopes. I'm on a different path than I was, than I was as a young man. Or maybe I'm just on the same God-ordained path, just further along it. Either way, I was stirred to bring something on living the dream for all of us who are still asking those questions 
And because God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, we're going to turn to the book of Genesis 37. If you have your Bibles, look at a little bit of history and learn a few lessons from a dreamer called Joseph. So Genesis 37. I'm going to read from verses, just verses 5 to 11. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to rule over us, to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream, You thought he would have learned this lesson, wouldn't you? And told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Father, just pray you'll bless your word to us. We thank you for it. Thank you that it's alive today and good for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Joseph had a dream. Can you imagine a young Mark Zuckerberg approaching his Harvard University friends and saying, hey guys, had a dream. Had a dream about developing a platform for digital communities. I just think it's going to be huge. In my dream, all the other digital platforms bow down to mine. What do you think about that? Mark Zuckerberg's the guy, CEO for Facebook. Joseph was 17 years old when he dreamed these dreams. The Bible doesn't even call him a man, he describes him as a boy. He was a boy with a dream. Now, his brothers didn't care for him too much as he was dad's favorite. And so parents in the room, chapter 37 does provide some helpful indicators of the negative impact when you play the game of favoritism. If dad loving him more was a trigger point for his brothers, then Joseph sharing dreams about his whole family bowing down to him didn't do him any more favors. Verse 8 says they hated him even more. Now, the scriptures help us to understand that God had given Joseph a wisdom way beyond his years. So here, as a boy of 17 years old, it's hard to tell whether Joseph had the dream, understood it, and kind of shared it in a slightly teenagery way. You know, I've seen my children do it. You know, they share something with the, you know, designed to irk the other child. You know, when the His brother's not liking him. This was a great way to keep fueling the fire. 
Or was it simply that he shared what he saw with the innocence of a boy who didn't fully understand the implications of what he was sharing? I'm not sure we know. But what we do know is that these dreams proved to be costly. For those who have read the story of Joseph, you will know how this ends. But if you could put on the shoes of this 17-year-old boy who's had a dream, a dream which shows something of a future picture, but not the whole thing, here was a boy who was going to experience the cost of having such a dream. The heart of his brothers was to kill him. They hated him. And I think the thought of him ruling over them them bowing down before him was enough for them to consider extreme measures. So they, they didn't kill him, thankfully, as you probably know, thanks to Reuben, who was one of his brothers. But they did sell him into slavery, and they faked his death, so his parents believed him to be dead. Good times, yeah? <clears throat> the dream was costly. It cost Joseph his family, his home, and his freedom. And this was a guy who knew very little about the full picture, how this dream was going to come to be. What started as, hey guys, let me tell you about what I saw, was quickly overshadowed by brutal treatment and the foreseeable future as a slave. And yet that was not the only cost to Joseph because of his dreams. So the dream was costly, but the dream was also a journey. The dream was a journey. From the moment that Joseph had the dream to the moment that the dream came true was a timeline of approximately 20 years. 20 years from dream to actualization. Imagine living with that in the back of your mind. This for Joseph was a a journey from pit to Potiphar to prison and finally to Pharaoh, if you like alliterations, there you go. That somehow through all these extraordinary events and life experiences... This dream was a moment that was still waiting to happen. So I want, I want what we are learning through this glimpse into the life of Joseph to start speaking to us, I think, individ- as individuals and corporately together as God's family. Having a dream, understanding the cost, considering the journey, all of these we're going to pick up soon in regards to what we feel that God, what I feel God is speaking to us today. Now, probably the most fundamental aspect of this story is what I'm going to share now. The dream that Joseph had was not his own. We can have aspirations, hopes, and dreams in this life, and all of these things can be good things. To aspire to have a career in sports, or in music, or in teaching, these are good things. But here God deposits deposits something of his plans and purposes that he is going to accomplish through the life of Joseph. When God deposits a dream in you, that changes things. It potentially changes the direction that you are hoping to head. It did for me. Because my plans for me and God's plans for me were not necessarily the same. When you look at the narrative arc of this story, you discover that Joseph comes to fully understand and embrace the reason for the dream that he had as a boy of 17. He understood the reason behind the cost and the journey. And he says to his brothers approximately 20 years after they threw him into the pit, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here 
for God sent me before you to preserve life. The dream was a journey. The dream also became a reality. You might even say he was living the dream. God took this boy, 17 years old, and raised him to be the second most powerful person in the land of Egypt. With the exception of Pharaoh, there was none who had greater authority or responsibility over the people. Joseph was only 30 years old when he was appointed to this role. He was clearly a capable young man, but the standout factor for Pharaoh was that God was with him. God had revealed to Joseph a significant time of blessing followed by a significant time of hardship for the people of Egypt. Seven years where Egypt were going to reap a bountiful harvest and seven years of famine to follow. So Joseph, he proposes this plan to build a storage of reserves during the blessing so that the people of Egypt would be provided for during the hardship of famine. And so he administrated this monstrous task and did it so effectively that not only the people of Egypt provided for, but provision overflowed. Foreigners came far and wide to Egypt because they had provision to give out. And that's here in this moment that Joseph sees his family again. What does Joseph's story teach us about God? Joseph had a dream. The dream was costly. The dream was a journey. The dream was not his own. And the dream became reality. Now, before we look at how I feel God is leading us in terms of applying this stuff in our own lives, let's try and address that question. What does it teach us about God? It tells us that God has a plan and a purpose now, this, for me, like, is a simple, powerful truth. God has a plan and a purpose. He gathers Joseph in to faithfully play his part. God has a dream to have a people to himself, a community, a family that belongs to him, a full expression of that Garden of Eden picture where creator and creation walk together in beautiful harmony. God's dream has proven costly. There is a great price to pay to open that door to harmony between God and man. He sent his son to pay that price for you and me at the cross. The dream is a journey. It's been thousands of years. God's time is not our time. He's patient and simultaneously urgent in his mission to see many of his creation, you and I, to return to him. The dream is completely his own and stands paramount to any other. His dream is the only dream that really matters. And of course, that dream is both now and becoming a reality. God has a plan and a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for you as well. God raised Joseph up to be a preserver of life. At the age of 17, God spoke a trajectory into that boy's life for which he only caught a glimpse of. At that point, he had no idea what the reality would look like, just that God had given him something unmistakable. God has a plan and a purpose for you, Paul, for you, Gordon, for you, Val, for you, Pete, Uli, Jackie, Pete at the back, Joy, Charlie. I can't name all the names. 
God has a plan and a purpose for you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Isn't it incredible that Joseph was just 30 years old when he was given such significant responsibility? And this is the truth of the matter. It's less about Joseph's capability and more about Joseph's character. It's his faithfulness. There are elements of this journey over which Joseph has no control and some of which he does. In his part to play, he is faithful. He is faithful to share the dream that God has given him, even if it leads him to pit and to slavery. <laughs> he is faithful in the house of Potiphar and he is faithful to run from Potiphar's wife who is attempting to seduce him. He is faithful in the Egyptian prison, even though he is wrongfully convicted, and continues to share and interpret dreams. He is faithful, and his faithfulness see God's favor being with him and going before him. The success story that leads Joseph to living the dream is found in a small portion of his capability and a large portion of his faithfulness. As God had a plan and purpose for Joseph, so does he for you. He already knows your capability. What he's looking for is your faithfulness. Okay, so here's the question. What dream has God deposited in you? God, do you know what? If only our education system was primarily concerned with this question for our young people today, wouldn't it? What dream has God deposited in you? Now, just to get the ball rolling, the standout areas for me in this story is the heart and willingness for Joseph to be faithful to God. That, for me, is the immediate reminder that I personally need so that I lean less on my capability and more on my aspiration to simply be faithful to God in whatever situation or responsibility I have. And just to say, I don't think that is some low-bar, entry-level, minimum-effort-required kind of deal. Faithfulness to God is a high bar, but one that we should all aspire to. We want generations of people who are concerned with being faithful. I very much say, very much see that faithfulness is connected to favor. I remember going to Moreland's College and, and seeing a guy called Don Carson. Anyone knows Don Carson? He's a great theologian, written many, 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 many books. And he's, you know, he's coming to that time of life now where he's retired and he's really trying to pass on really all that he you know, has learned from his experience and time in walking with God. And his heart, his final summary was this. My aspiration is just to be faithful. Chapter 39 Four to five. Joseph found favor in his sight, that's Potiphar, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and over all that he had, he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Chapter 39, 21 and 22. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in that prison. <laughs> Chapter 41, 38 to 40. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. As Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph is faithful in attending Potiphar's house, in serving in Potiphar's house. Joseph is faithful in prison and is given the responsibility of the prisoners. Joseph is faithful in sharing his dreams and Pharaoh says, is there none like other like you? You shall be over all things that are only to me. Only to me will there be anyone, there'll be none greater than you. God's favour is connected to the faithfulness of his people. So I do think there is a strong argument for whatever God places in front of you, be faithful with that. Whether that's in your home environment, your work environment, your relationships, your family, be faithful with what's in front of you. And if that's lining up with God's plans and purposes, I do believe God's favour will be with you. So whilst there is a significant calling for a faithful people as well, the story of Joseph and a good few others in the scriptures help us to understand that God deposits a dream in you. You might not see the whole picture at this time, but I do believe there are people whom God has given a dream to accomplish his purposes for his glory and your good and for the good of those around you. I believe God may even deposit, there might be some that God will deposit some dreams in today. I'm prepared for that as well. So here are some application points from Joseph. Lessons from Joseph, I think, that I hope will help prepare you for that moment of deposit to the moment that you are living the dream. Lesson number one from Joseph, share your dream. Share your dream. I do think it's very important that you share the deposit, the dream that God has given you, because I think that's the first step of faithfulness. Here are my two pointers with that one. Share that dream with people who will truly help you to understand and work it through. I'm not sure how much Joseph knew of the implications of his dream, but we do know that the brothers and the parents, they really, in that moment, they fell a bit short of that maturity required to handle what God was saying. So I guess sharing with mature Christians you love and trust is a great place to start. Secondly, with all that in mind, it might still be uncomfortable for people to hear. I'm not sure what to say about that, really, other than deliver that dream with care, with love, and with grace, and be prepared that sometimes stepping out in faith can be met with a bit of hostility. (laughs) Lesson number two, your dream could be costly. Working toward that dream was a costly exercise for Joseph. I'm not sure what his aspirations were in life, but I don't think he imagined for one moment the career path that God took him on. You may have to lay down other ambitions and plans. I think that is one of the greatest challenges in our culture today for a Christian to say, not my will, but yours be done. Let my story be found in your story, my path in your path, my way in your ways, my dreams be your dreams. Even when walking that path of faithfulness, you're going to experience green pastures, still waters, and valleys of the shadow of death. Blessings and challenges. And I guess that's one lesson that we can learn from the great administrator that we find in Joseph. When the times of blessing are there, store it up. Fill up your barns. Because when the hardship and challenge come, those blessings stored will see you through and even maybe be a blessing to others. Lesson number three. 
The dream is a journey. Remember, Joseph was living the dream for 20 years after God uh, had given it or working towards the dream. We can be at times a little impatient, not helped by a cultural context that wants to give you instant access, a touch of a button. Of course, it might not fit into a wait of 20 years, but this is about God's timing and you're good. Your story fits into a bigger story and you living the dream may not depend on whether you are ready or not. It may just be a case of when, according to God. So get excited about the destination, but don't let it distract from the day. Just be faithful with what's in front of you. Be confident of God's care over you and his timing. And lesson number four, the dream is not your own. We are wonderful dreamers. We fashion, we create, we design. In these things, we carry the wonderful trait of our creator God. When we set the vision for this church family, the dream that we carry as an eldership team, which is a local outworking, really, of God's great vision and a dream to have a people to himself. When God deposits a dream in you, it's important to remember that it becomes something that you steward, something you've been given care over, something for you to ponder and to shape yourself around. Depending on what the dream is, it can be hugely directional in your life choices. I think what I want to say is that when God gives it, it carries a different weight. There is always a guy in the room when he or she speaks, the room falls silent to listen to. You know, know one of those guys? They bring a greater weight. It always used to be annoying me. It used to annoy me something chronic. When we used to take the youth to New Day. And speakers would deliver these profound truths to the young people who would then come back to Joe and I, who'd been looking after the youth for many years, and share their deep conviction and commitment to prayer. I was like, hang on a minute. We've been sharing the importance of prayer with you guys for the whole year. How is it that preacher Dave has broken in in the way that we haven't? Sometimes there's just a voice in the room, isn't there? That carries a bit more weight. You can't be upset with that. You just need lots of grace. The dream is not your own. When God gives it, it carries a different weight. So there's a different type of stewardship responsibility that you have for it. Okay, so I'll remember the picture at the beginning. Our Western culture gives the impression that when you're living the dream, everything is sunshine and roses. The reality for many people who have had great successes in their life is that the toughness of life does not change or disappear. Just the context changes. Our dreams can be pinned upon the hope of, if only I can just get there. If I can just make it, everything will be okay. That really can be the grave reality for people who might assume, we might assume, have it all. But actually are really experiencing a life that feels empty. I remember uh, the quote that Jim Carrey gave. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that's not the answer. When living the dream, Joseph was probably working harder than he'd done in his previous life experience. We don't live the dream or get to the dream in order to just take the foot of the accelerator and relax. 
Despite his circumstances, he oversaw Potiphar's house. As a prisoner, he was given the task of overseeing the prisoners. No doubt Joseph was giving much in terms of luxury and living, being second in command to Pharaoh, but he was overseeing a nation that was no, and that's no small task. Whatever you might think of our prime minister or guys who have you know, national responsibility and some of the salaries and luxuries that they may have, Imagine the work rate for these guys. It's no small task. We all might think someone might do it a bit better. But it's no small task. Living the dream doesn't mean that you've made it. It probably just means that God has grown you to the point that you are able to sufficiently take on the task he has prepared for you. But surely... There is no better aspiration and no better place to be than living the dream that God has deposited in you. Okay. So how do we respond to such things? Shall we stand together? This, uh, I appreciate. Get the legs shaking a little bit. You've probably got numb bums and all that jazz. This. <clears throat> Let's get the worship team up here as well, I think. That'd be great. But I don't want you guys to miss this one either, okay? Let's come, even now, with a heart attitude that says, This is your thing, God. This is what you have deposited in me. This is what you are depositing in me. And I just want to even now say, let's just open our hearts to what God might be doing here and now. Not what he's just done, but what he might be doing here and now with you. There'll be some of you here with whom God has deposited a dream giving you a glimpse of something he is going to accomplish with you. And so now you're just kind of wondering, how do I respond to that? What's the next step? Okay. So here's how we respond. Now for some of you, you've got something going on in here in your heart. God's deposited something. You know you might not see the full picture, but God's doing something here. It's just a case of sharing your dream with guys you trust. That's the first step of faith. For some, you might desire further clarity. And if that's you, I think I'd like you to step forward and myself and maybe some other church family, because we're all family, we just gather around and start praying with you specifically that God will bring clarity to that picture and hopefully a bit of direction. And again, some here might be further down that road toward a dream that God has given you. You might be feeling the cost to being faithful to that. And I believe that if that's you this morning, God wants to restore hope to you that as you remain faithful during the challenge, God will remain faithful to you and to that path he has put you on and his favour will be with you.
So, God, we mind just playing a little bit and then um, we'll, we'll crack on the second. I just want to pray and just take a moment to wait, really. So, again, I just feel there might be a moment here where God deposits a dream in you for the very first time. We're going to give room for that as part of our worship. And so God also may want to prophetically deposit something with someone today. So for those who are prophetically gifted or, you know, you may not be in a cabin and suddenly God just deposits something for you, for someone else. I want you to encourage you to keep your ears open as we worship together to hear what God might be saying. And I pray, Father, we thank you for the example of Joseph. We thank you for this young man. Lord God, you deposited a dream. And he didn't see the whole picture of that dream, but Father, we just thank you for a guy who, whatever you part in front of him, he was faithful with. And I pray, Lord God, you know, Father, in those moments, we thank you for the example of character over capability. And I pray even now for each and every one of us that, Father, we would shine with a character that pleases you, that says, just help us to be faithful with whatever's in front of us. And yet at the same time, Lord God, we just want to acknowledge that, Father, when you deposit something in us, we need to steward that with care. So I pray, Father, for any individual here, Lord, who is carrying something, Lord, that you've deposited in them, and they're still working that through. Maybe they've hit a bit of a challenge. Maybe they've hit a few bumps in the road. Lord, but I just want to, uh, Father, through your grace and through your mercy, bring uh, seeds of hope, Lord, into their life. Lord, thank you that, Father, despite challenge, Father, that you can still bring that dream that got sowed in into, actual, into actualization. You can bring them through. And, Lord, we just want to acknowledge the reality of living that dream. That, Father, when we get there, it's not some sort of moment where we can put our feet up. But, Lord, prepare us. Lord, for being roadworthy for these things, Lord. Prepare us for the task that we have. And we thank you, Lord, that it took 20 years for Joseph to be ready for the task ahead of him. Lord, we want to be ones who are patient and waiting day by day, Father, till you have uh, shaped us and readied us, Father, for the task that you've equipped us ahead in life. So for young and old in this one, thank you, Lord God, that you still deposit dreams And I pray for us now, Father, as we worship and respond to you, would you speak to us, Lord, afresh and do business with us as your church. In Jesus' name, amen.